Hi, everyone. July 28th. It is a Thursday. It is time for 30 Minutes with Spyglass Lending. Thank you very much for joining us today. We've got a good one. We've got a great guest, someone I've known now not that long, but in such a short period of time, we've gotten to know each other very well. Uh, we've already done some business together, which is always cool. Good man, great person, Rodney Whitbrode. He is a real estate agent with Compass. He's a social activist. We're going to hear his story. He's going to tell us a little bit about what's going on in the market and how he sees it. Rodney, welcome to the show. Hello, everyone. Aaron Pfeffer from, with Spyglass Lending. Thank you so much for having me here today. Uh, you're an incredible human. You're so good at what you do. And I'm really excited uh, to have this conversation with you about the, the world, uh, the real estate market, um, trends, and um, activism. And of course, I love talking about me. Oh, yeah. Well, <laughs> you know what? We're going we're gonna to start with that, and we might even end with that, too. So let's get right, right to it. And I appreciate all the kind words, but man, this is about you. And again, thank you for being here. So Rodney, let's hear about you. Where'd you start? Where are you from originally? Because so few people are ever from Los Angeles. Wow. Um, that is a loaded question. Um, I'm Rodney Whitbrode. I'm originally from Flint, Michigan. I'm sure you've heard it all over the news. Um, yes. For all the wrong reasons sometimes. Uh, for all the wrong reasons, but I can highlight Flint and say that it is a really cool metropolitan city that um, allowed me to become the man that I am today. Um, I was valedictorian in my high school. I went to the University of Michigan, go blue, go Wolverines. I just came back from Spain and I saw Michigan shirts everywhere. So um, pride for University of Michigan is loud and proud throughout the whole world. Um, I, I graduated. I started working in insurance for 12 years. Um, for a well, let's put a pause on that. So you you graduated from, from school and went directly into insurance or would, what, what was your degree? Yeah. Okay. Tell us what your degree was in at, at Michigan. My degree from U of M was theater because okay. all the world's a stage. Sure. Um, I also dual degreed in uh, social justice advocacy. So I have a, uh, a degree in creating equality among uh, communities and groups uh, through dialogue. And um, it was one of the first certificates ever offered at the University of Michigan in an intergroup relations and social justice advocacy. So uh, jack of all trades. And um, before I, I went in, I, before right after I graduated, I was hired by this incredible sales manager. And I think that's the reason why I went into insurance was mm -hmm. because of the relationship that I had with the sales manager and the connection that I had. And it just happened to be an insurance. Um, I ended up staying there for 12 years after I threw out, um, I was a sales manager. I was, um, a top agent throughout the country, um, with Liberty Mutual. And I, it definitely taught me all the skills that I think are important for me to have today in, in the world of real estate. No doubt. And look, I, you know, I've known you again, this short period of time, but you are one of the better sales people I've ever come across. Uh, salesperson galore, for sure. And it sounds like you cut your teeth for over a decade in insurance doing that. I mean, there's no better industry, right? <laughs> I mean, to really break through even more than real estate uh, insurances, because everybody needs it, nobody wants it. <laughs> and you got to convince them, you know, uh, not only do you need all of this, but you better let me do it for you. Kind of yeah. So. I mean, the, the, the great thing about insurance is that it's recession proof. It's something that everyone needs. As you said, the reason why I stayed in it for as long as I did is because of the type of people that I got to interact with and meet because everyone needs insurance. I met people ranging from 
um, you know, nonprofit all the way to attorneys from teachers to independent contractors to construction workers. I mean, you name it. I was in their living room trying to sell them an intangible product called life insurance. So it's not sure. something you can feel or grasp or touch or love like you can hugging a house in real estate. Um, but yeah, it, the challenge was um, offering a service that was intangible and not something that you could feel or touch, but you had to create a story and an understanding behind the necessity of, of needing insurance, having adequate coverage and protecting your family um, should something happen to you. Uh, and um, it was, it was a, a great experience. I would say that I thrived in it because I just really try to connect and um, offer something that was suitable for them. So I would, mm -hmm. I would formulate uh, a, a package, as they say in the insurance world, that was specific to their needs by listening. Um, it might not seem like that because I love to talk, but you really have to just hone in on the, the cues that they give you, sitting down, understanding needs, and um, formulating a package that works specifically for that family or, yeah. or that individual. It's their life. It's, it's, you know, or their family's lives, certainly. So it's, right. they're going to tell you what they want and then you uh, tailor make it for them. Now, what, by the way, was this in the Midwest? Forgive me. Was this in the Midwest or Los Angeles that you were doing? It was. Um, I hailed from Michigan. Um, like I said, I, I'm at University of Michigan. We, we hail, we're victors. Um, so I hailed from Michigan. Um, Never let us forget. Never let an Indiana University graduate forget that Michigan is a better school all around. <laughs> <laughs> oh, trust me. I am a diehard Michigan fan and I, I wear it with pride. Um, I, I'll say go blue if I see the color blue and it's not even a Michigan <laughs> shirt. Like, um, yeah, got you got to be more specific. But um, so, yeah, I started uh, in Michigan where I was there for 10 years selling mm -hmm. Um, insurance with Liberty Mutual. And I knew something was missing and I knew what that was. It was warm weather. Mm. Um, so I decided to migrate over to the West Coast, as many people have. Um, and I worked for Liberty Mutual there for three and a half years in the El Segundo office. Was that um, an easy transition, by the way? Was it just like, hey, I mean, you went to the to the powers that be back in Michigan and said, get me to the sunshine or was it a little harder than that? Thankfully, it was a very easy transition. Uh, Liberty Mutual is a large corporation. So really all I had to do was reach out to a local sales manager. They saw my numbers and they're like, yes, we want you to come to our office. Sure. Um, and they met me in person and two of them were actually fighting over me. So I was originally supposed to move to San Diego. I tried LA, I ended up connecting really well with the sales manager in Los Angeles and the rest was history. Mm -hmm. Um, unfortunately they closed down our office, uh, because it was a high risk being in Los Angeles. So they wanted to minimize their exposure. So they relocated everyone in our office to other, um, locations throughout the state. And I decided to take a severance package, travel the world for a year. I met this person, um, in real estate and, I started off as their personal assistant. So I was doing all of their odds and ends and their, you know, picking up their dry cleaning and grooming the dog. And they well, wait a second, we're, we're going to, we're going to get to this person and exactly what you did and what they did specifically in real estate and what you did for them and how they uh, helped you cut your teeth and that side of the fence. But you just said you traveled the world for a year. And I think everybody wants to hear a little bit about that for one quick second. Where'd you go? 
Oof. I uh, had the honor of going to my favorite place on earth, which is Australia. Um, I also went to Tasmania, New Zealand, uh, different parts of Mexico. And believe it or not, um, because I work so much and as a salesperson, it's really hard to take time off. I very seldom travel domestically. So I, I went to many places for the first time right here in the States. Um, so I was able to travel to places like, um, I was going to say Vancouver, but that's Canada. Vancouver is my favorite. Um, Seattle, Oregon, uh, Boston, New York, Miami, um, Austin, Phoenix, uh, Chicago, which I love. So I, I, I focused primarily on domestic travel, Mexico, Australia, um, and adding color to your own life and filling your own cup and traveling the world is the number one way to rejuvenate, to see that there's a world bigger than what we are accustomed to in our own, uh, we get, we get trapped. We get, um, you know, we get, uh, so caught up in our own work life that it's, it's hard to remember to check back in with yourself. And I think by traveling, you're able to, to, to check back in and rejuvenate. And I encourage anybody who's listening to this, take time, um, set aside some, a lot of time for yourself to travel, to save for that, those expenses traveling. Cause it's, you know, it's, it, it's pretty expensive, but maybe not as expensive as you thought. Yeah, if um, especially if you're backpacking and do it young, do it while you have the energy and the health and you can sleep on the <laughs> floor somewhere. That's always helpful. So you got back to LA and you met an individual who was in real estate. How'd that happen? A friend of mine was, um, who knew that I had been, I, and mind you, I was actually just dipping my toe in the world of acting and background acting. So yep. while I was in my hiatus and when I was traveling, I also did some acting. There you go. Putting um, that theater diploma to good work, right? Yeah. I, my, I, um, I, I, the world is a stage. So everyone that I interact with, you know, you have to kind of adjust who you are and speak at their level. So I think the life, life, life is a stage as they say, but, um, I did, I was able to, um, I was in a bunch of commercials, um, I'm a professional hip hop dancer. I was able to choreograph some music videos. I was wow. able to choreograph some concerts, dance with some celebrities, dance with some singers. Um, so I really took that time to kind of, uh, do the things that I was never really able to do being in Michigan and also being consumed with insurance. So that was kind of my introduction to this person. Um, they, they just needed an assistant, um, and I decided to try that out. I'm really, really good at multitasking. Um, I would say that I'm a supporter. So somebody who's able to, hey, give me a task list. What can I do to make your life easier? I did really well. And ha he happened to be in the world of real estate. Um, mm -hmm. And I started, you know, with showings. I started with, you know, contracts and paperwork. Okay, so and they, were really just, they were an agent. Were they investing themselves as well? Or was it, is it just agency? It was an uh, a, an independent agent okay. under a brokerage. So I I worked for this individual who was under a brokerage, as all agents have to be under their own brokerage unless they have their own broker's license. Um, so I was um, instrumental in b all facets of his business, and what really kept my interest was the process of listing a property for sale. So from the beginning to meeting with the client, understanding what can we do to freshen this up or stage it 
to really make the listing sing so it gets more exposure and more showing requests. We take beautiful photos. So the process of listing a property was why I was why I became so interested in real estate. And I love people. I know that's a cliche statement, but I love um, understanding how people work and where they come from and their background and being able to adjust your who you are to their needs. And real estate is a perfect conduit for for all of that. Um, I, can't, I can't think of a better industry for Rodney Woodbrook, to be honest with you. So that, that makes a lot of sense. And, and you know, at this point now, we're close to five years with you in Los Angeles, right? Because you did the three and a half in El Segundo working in insurance. And then the other, you know, you took a year off and or maybe a little over five it's years. It's over. Ago. Yeah. So I yeah. actually, um, you're working with this individual. Here, I moved here in 2014. So I've been in Los okay. Angeles for nine years, almost nine years. No, but I meant, I meant a bit, at this point in time, after working for just that year uh, for that individual. So, so close to five years. And let's talk about the other, the other degree. Uh, that you have have uh, that you had from the University of Michigan. So a little bit of activism, a little bit of uh, social. What was it you said? What was the degree again? Intergroup relations and social justice advocacy. Okay. okay. So tell us a little bit about that and what you were getting involved in uh, on the ground floor here in Los Angeles. So as uh, somebody who's from a low income low income family from Flint, Michigan, um, I have always been around individuals who have experienced lack of resources, lack of education, lack of support, lack of funding. Um, and it is mainly in minority or um, uh, underprivileged communities. And so I was introduced to this program at the University of Michigan called Intergroup Relations and Social Justice Advocacy, because I've always been someone who is in support of finding equal rights um, understanding disparities in communities and trying to bridge the gaps um, and connecting with people in different communities and trying to understand because the knowledge is power. The more you understand about uh, a, a group of people or an individual, um, the, the, the gap between you and that disparity will, will shorten. So I love understanding people. I love understanding um, how people work. And you find that when you speak with somebody, you understand that you have so many commonalities and so few differences, and you can find the beauty in the differences that you do have with them. And so this program really allowed me to, you know, meet um, a person of color for the first time or a person who identifies as gay, lesbian, or bisexual, um, and really understanding that there are a lot fewer differences between myself and them. And then I can relate to them and I build trust. And so, you know, I just really wanted to be a part of a bigger picture. So mm -hmm. uh, the program really was just about creating um, diversity in the workplace and in my own life um, and understanding groups that I thought were so much different than me that actually it aren't. Um, so stringing commonalities and um, promoting um, awareness and diversity, um, especially in the gay and lesbian community, which I am a part of um, and always have been, um, and just finding a voice and finding outlets for me as a gay man coming from an underprivileged uh, um, and low-income family growing up and always kind of fighting my way through life um, has made me a bigger person 
has created, uh, I, I like to say that I have one of the biggest hearts you'll ever meet. So, you know, I, I, I think concur, by the way, and again, in a short period of time, I'm going to, I'm going to back that up. This man has Thank one of the bigger hearts that I have come across. And the Yelp review or the Google review that you left me really shows that. And I, I framed it. It's, um, uh, it, it, it's living rent free in my memory as, as everyone says, I meant every um, word. Thank you. But yeah, I think it's important as a business person or as um, someone who's interacting with all different types of people, especially in Los Angeles. I mean, we're a melting pot here um, is to understand everyone and be open and vulnerable and have an open heart, as they say, to differences and finding the beauty in those differences, finding color and texture um, in your in those differences so you can see commonalities and you can relate and you can identify um, because it's really the only way to grow as, as someone who's running their own business, especially in real estate. Um, I am an independent contractor who is responsible for connecting with all different types of people. That's how my business thrives. So from my social media posts to the people I interact with, to the the different communities I'm a part of. Um, it's important to just continuously outreaching, to um, exploring, asking questions, relating, and really just being vulnerable and open-hearted. Yeah, but tremendous. And and obviously, you know, applicable often to business, you know, not to, to bring it back to that, but especially in the world of real estate when you're uh, ultimately... Um, dealing with so many people and it's a great way to bring awareness, you know, and a great way to not only, you know, vibe with everyone on a daily basis and get into net to network, but it really sets the tone for what you want to do. And, and it's a really nice duality to it. I think all of us feel that uh, in this business. So let's get back to that for a second, because obviously after the year that you had cut your teeth working with this particular agent uh, and, and sounds like doing very well, did you end up branching out on your own or what happened exactly? Well, I think a lot of the feedback that I got from other agents that I was working with um, and the actual the, the agent that I was working for and under was you should really do this on your own. Uh, I had the knowledge base. Um, a lot of agents and assistants actually go into being an assistant because they want to eventually learn the ropes and break out on their own. And I had really never... Um, I think that being somebody who is who is from um, the community that I'm from and the environment that I lived in, I kind of thought very small. And I didn't really think that I was able to sell a million dollar property. The idea behind um, being somebody who can help someone with with, uh, you know, that kind of money or that kind of investment in themselves. I never really thought that big. And so being someone's assistant allowed me to see kind of like peeling back the layers of real estate and understanding it step-by-step, step, I created this confidence within myself that I, and I created purpose and I created this confidence that I could do this. I can mm -hmm. sell millions of dollars of real estate. I can, um, it, multi -millions. I just why stop at just I, a million? Multi-million. Right. <laughs> um, I closed on a $3 million property and I closed on a $2.25 million property with you. So thank that you. Was, Aaron, that was a good one. Supporting my clients. Um, from A to Z and providing the most professional, streamlined, communicative service that I've ever seen um, with a lender. And um, oh, they, we're here to plug you, but I appreciate the, the kind They words. gave me that feedback. <laughs> I'm just giving you back the facts. That's it. Thank you, sir. <laughs> so um, 
Yeah, I think that uh, I was just ready to sink my teeth into real estate. Um, and I, I built myself up to this point and understanding and, and acquiring all of these tools along the way. So why not put them to use? And yeah. literally all it takes is just trying, just see what happens. I mean, even me being on this podcast today, this is, this is my first time being on a podcast. So thank you, Aaron, for this opportunity. But sure. I like to say, the more you try and the more you invest in yourself, you're going to, to be surprised in the end result. So real estate is, I was born to do it and I would not have had this confidence if I didn't try. So um, I'm thankful for my experience being a personal assistant, transitioning into being their real estate assistant and their director of estates, and now being my own agent with a with the largest brokerage in the country, Compass. Let's um, talk about them for a second, if I may. Uh, you know, Compass is an incredible company. They have shot to the top of the rankings just in the past couple of years. What do you think makes them so special? I think- Or why'd you what, join? Yeah. I think that what drives Compass is the fact that it's a technology company gone real estate. So mm -hmm. at the core of what Compass is, is what can we do to streamline our process all through technology? It is, it is, it is the most streamlined company I've ever worked for um, from the marketing, from the paperwork to how we're paid, how we communicate with clients, um, the CRMs, the, uh, there's a manager for everything from marketing to the agent experience to the sales manager. There, it, it's just everything is compartment, compartmentalized. Um, there's, a, uh, there's a process for everything. And it's all about what can we do to streamline the agent's experience and the client's experience. And that yeah. is where I think Compass sets themselves apart is creating a seamless experience for the client and providing me tools and resources to make sure that that, that process is as simplified and streamlined as possible possible. And they're and compass is doing well because of that. That's one niche, but it's also because they're recruiting really great, um, successful agents, um, and offering a lot of resources that weren't available to them before. So it's really just honing in the, the agent experience and figuring out ways to, to keep it moving forward. And um, the more streamlined it is, the more clients you get to find and work with. And I think that well, that's why Compass agents do so well. Those are some pretty good reasons to join a company, I would say. Uh, and and now, drum roll, please, because I think a lot of people listening are ultimately going to say, well, this guy's a real estate agent and he's on the forefront. And here we are at the end of July. The Federal Reserve just hiked their rates again yesterday. Uh, the market is shifting beneath our feet, no doubt about it. What are you seeing out there? What has happened in the past six weeks? What do you think is happening in the next six months? Well, I'm glad you asked. Um, to date, I have about $11 million of sales under my belt just in okay. 2022. Um, and I would say I do have my finger on the pulse of how the market trends are going. Um, yeah. it, is, it is a vol volatile market. It is ever-changing. And I'm sure you've heard the terms ebbs and flows uh, but there's, there's, in one aspect, we are coming off of an unprecedented, historic low interest rate. So people were getting 2.5%, which has never been seen before in the history of interest rates. So we were kind of spoiled um, over the past few years. Um, so inevitably, we're going to have to offset 
the the low interest rates. And I'm sure, Aaron, you can attest to this as somebody who is in the mortgage industry. Um, but to offset inflation, um, really the only way to go is by increasing interest rates. And I think we're expected to have three more meetings with the feds throughout the year, which I think are anticipated to have a, a rate in increase. Um, and so as a result, some buyers are being kind of hedged out of the market because they're no longer to afford or they have to adjust and maybe find something that's a little less expensive. Um, and also we're seeing an uptick in inventory because sellers are, are trying to take advantage of the, the lower um, interest rates um, that we're experiencing today. We don't have a crystal ball. We don't know what's going to happen with the market moving forward. We don't know how much more the interest rates are going to increase. You might have a better idea than me, Aaron, but um, I, all, everything I've read has shifted that the next three meetings are supposed we're supposed to see an increase in interest rates to offset and hedge against inflation. Yeah, so, no doubt. I mean, cer certainly the the interest rate rise from the Federal Reserve, which has a major effect, of course, on credit cards, on car payments, on home equity lines of credit. Now, it's a, it's an indirect correlation to mortgage rates, but there's no doubt that what's happened in the past six months and the notion that they're raising or dumping their paper as well has caused a pretty significant bump in the interest rates and the mortgage interest rates as well. But, you know, certainly want to ask you as well, I mean, and, I, and that's one side of the equation, right, that that the interest rate nearly doubling, uh, if not more, you know, over the past six months has caused this major shift because the, the equity had skyrocketed so much in the last two or three years. But have you noticed any change over the last six weeks? Have you seen prices come down at all? Or have they leveled off? Or what type of inventory is being affected? Yeah, I think... I mean, so I actually wrote something down from the buyer side and also the seller side that I want to read to you. And I think that this is going to share some some uh, some insight into the, market, the current market trends of real estate. Buyers in the market today may find more negotiating room than they had in years. And a slowing, growing share of first-time buyers proves that they are certainly aware that locking in a home today at a long-term price is a terrific hedge against inflation and rising rents. So that's one side of the token. It's yeah. it's great to invest now because we don't know where these interest rates are heading. Um, inventory has increased, but because some buyers have decided to take a step back and see what is happening with the market, it's yeah. creating more inventory and um, a shift in a seller's market to a buyer's market because now buyers have a little bit more of a negotiating power. I'm seeing my clients not remove their loan appraisal, not remove their appraisal contingency. They're going full, uh, you know, uh, term on all of their contingencies. They're offering at asking in some cases, depending on how long the market or the house has been sitting on the market, um, asking or offering less than asking. Um, we're not seeing properties get as many offers as they were before. Yeah, and that's um, a big not, one for sure. And there's not a lot of there's not the sense of urgency isn't there. The, mm -hmm. the, the People are able to breathe and kind of think about the process of what, well, what does my offer look like instead of being pushed into a competitive situation where they have to remove all contingencies. I mean, I received multiple offers on my properties over the past six months, $100,000, $200,000, dollars over asking simply because buyers were just eager to one, lock in an interest rate or two, do whatever it takes to get this property because- yeah. They want to work from home, so they they need the outdoor space. But that sense of urgency is is 
kind of subsided. Um, from a seller perspective, um, for sellers, price growth remains robust and typical time on market has stayed incredibly low, um, a signal that their homes are reasonably priced, well-located and in decent shape. They can expect plenty of attention from buyers. I would like to say that that's more applicable to big markets like Los Angeles, New York, um, you know, in, in more rural America where people are migrating to, I think that that um, is, is not necessarily the case. Things are sitting for longer. Um, mm -hmm. But if you're in an auxiliary market, there are areas of LA, for example, in West Adams, where I had a property, things are sitting for longer because um, there's not as many buyers in those auxiliary markets as they are in more populated areas like West Hollywood and Beverly Hills. So I do think that there is becoming a shift and um, you know, more to a buyer's market and, and those more auxiliary markets. And, it's, and it will continue to happen as we see interest rates rise. How quickly things change. And last question here. What about the inventory itself? Have you seen more or less on the MLS in the past? Absolutely. Uh, I've seen an increase in inventory. I think it's because we're coming off of a market where sellers were just eager to find a buyer at the at the lower interest rates and because of us not knowing what's happening in the future they want to try to lock in a buyer get as much profit as they can in this it, it, coming off of like one of the hottest markets we've ever seen in the history of real estate but the fact is inventory has increased but the number of buyers is slowly decreasing so the demand is less than the supply and the supply yeah. is actually increasing and and that's the interesting thing because it's it's slowly turning into a buyer's market, but yet there's you know less demand for it. So, you know, it's extremely interesting, very informative, highly entertaining. Rodney Whitbrot, our thirty minutes are up. Rodney Whitbrot, Compass Realtor, you are a good man, a good person. Greatly appreciate your time today. Thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll do it again. Thanks for coming on. My honor, and I look forward to working with you more in the future. And thank you for having me today. This was wonderful. Looking forward to it as well. Thanks, my friend. All right. Thanks, Aaron.